You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Stone Drill succeeds Shamoon. It's more evasive and at least as destructive. Russian hackers are blackmailing U.S. progressive political groups. Congress considers a bill to allow companies to hack back. WikiLeaks's Vault 7 seems mostly unsurprising. And Washington wiretapping allegations prompt recriminations. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, March 7, 2017. Kaspersky Lab reports finding a new version of Shamoon, which it's calling Stone Drill. Like its progenitor, Stone Drill is destructive, deploying a wiper across infected machines to destroy data. Kaspersky discovered Stone Drill in the course of investigating the three waves of Shamoon 2.0 attacks that began in November 2016. Stone Drill is more evasive than Shamoon, it avoids execution in sandboxes, and includes mostly Persian resource language sections. Shamoon 2.0 featured Yemen's version of Arabic. Kaspersky notes that both language cues could easily be false flags. Another difference between Stone Drill and Shamoon is Stone Drill's reliance on memory injection of the wiper into the victim's preferred browser. The new malware forgoes Shamoon's use of drivers during deployment. It's begun to turn up in Europe in what Kaspersky calls a large corporation with a wide area of activity in the petrochemical sector, but with no apparent interest in or connection to Saudi Arabia. This finding suggests that the stone drill operators are expanding their target set beyond its original Saudi range. Shamoon itself has gone by a number of names. Shamoon has been used to designate the campaign that was first identified by the IT security company Seculart in August of 2016, when it hit Saudi Aramco machines in a destructive attack. The name Shamoon has also, somewhat more loosely, been used to designate the malware itself. Palo Alto, Silence, and a few others have called the wiper malware Distrack. For background, recall that the original Shamoon campaign of 2012 was claimed by a group calling itself the Cutting Sword of Justice, widely believed to be acting on Iran's behalf in that country's contest for regional superiority with Saudi Arabia. The threat group associated with Shamoon, and probably with Stone Drill, has been called Charming Kitten, Newscaster, and News BEF by some security researchers. Malwarebytes warns that a trojanized version of Facebook Lite for Android targets Chinese users with spy fake play. The users are downloading it from third-party app stores because of China's restricted access to Google Play.
Malwarebytes advises that you stick to Google's Play Store to avoid this particular nasty, if, that is, you've got access to Google Play. If not, well, then buyer beware. In the U.S., center-left and progressive advocacy groups are subjected to online blackmail. Russian hackers threaten to release embarrassing emails and shared documents. The FBI is investigating. The blackmail demands so far appear to range from $30,000 to $150,000. It's not clear what, if any, documents have been doxed. The blackmailers are said to be using some techniques reminiscent of Cozy Bear, that's Fancy Bear's quieter, more patient sibling, generally held to be Russia's FSB, but in this case the hackers are thought to be criminals and not intelligence services. It's worth repeating Bloomberg's observation that in Russian operations, this distinction can be a difficult one to draw. But Russian intelligence services tools have shown up in criminal gangs' hands, and vice versa. WordPress sites were recently hit with a slew of defacements and remote code execution attempts, abusing a vulnerability in the WordPress REST API. For more on this vulnerability, we spoke with Neil Feather, president of website security company SiteLock. So this one was a, a vulnerability that was in, in WordPress itself. What it essentially allowed an attacker to do is if a site was was making use of the of the REST API, uh, it was allowing attackers to insert their own content or overwrite content uh, that's on the website already with essentially whatever they, they, they chose to, to put on the site. It was allowing unauthenticated, so you didn't have to have logged into your WordPress in order to make changes. Normally that's the way it was. So it was allowing unauthenticated access to WordPress changes to the WordPress administration, basically. And the way it was done was, you know, what happened was there were uh, an input field that was not being properly handled in the code. Um, And so because, you know, those types of requests weren't being filtered properly and um, cleaned properly, uh, they were able to perform unintended actions uh, within the the WordPress environment. And, And so has this been patched? Yes. So it was patched. For a lot of folks, it was able to be patched before it was publicly known. Folks like us in the security community and folks on the WordPress side uh, were, you know, patching this before the public disclosure of the information. So for a lot of a lot of uh, WordPress users, you know, they never had any kind of negative impact of this. But, you know, certainly WordPress is such a large and and widely deployed platform that it did impact, you know, millions of, of websites. WordPress is so popular. So that, that tends to give some folks the perception that it's an insecure platform or that it's not uh, secure. And, and that's not true, right? So it is a, it, it's as secure as any other kind of open source CMS that's out there. I think what the diff- the big difference is it's so popular that cyber criminals tend to target it. I mean, you know, the cyber crime business is no different from any other business. They're going to fish where the fish are, so to speak, right? So WordPress happens to be a popular platform. And so you know, it gets targeted a lot more. And the the incidents tend to be a lot bigger because there's so many folks using the platform. Uh, And so, you know, we recommend that folks who are using open source CMSs, especially once you start using plugins and and themes and a lot of more great functionality, that you use, you know, a product like a web application firewall or something that's going to help you kind of virtually patch these issues. You know, if you're not going to be the type of website owner who's constantly going to stay on top of updates and stay on top of vulnerabilities and things like that, this gives you a little bit of cover for those types of of vulnerabilities that get disclosed, you know, before you have a chance to to patch it yourself. That's Neil Feather from SiteLock. In M&A news, CA buys Veracode for $614 million. 
Edwards acquires Evolved Cyber Solutions, Inabox buys Logic Communications, and Okta acquires Stormpath. The Veracode buy is the largest of these by some margin and has attracted the most interest among analysts, some of whom see it as a bellwether. In the U.S., Congress considers legislation that would permit hacking victims to access their attackers' non-cooperating systems to determine attribution. The proposed bill seems less about reprisal than it does an incentive to do some aggressive private sleuthing. Observers are divided as to whether this is a good idea. WikiLeaks has released some of its long-promised Vault 7 documents, which, contrary to expectations, have little to do with former Secretary of State Clinton, and instead mostly express RT and TAS-like shock that the Central Intelligence Agency collects foreign intelligence and that the agency has seen its share of controversy. And finally, you may have noticed a lot of yelling and tweeting since Saturday over the Obama-Trump wiretapping dust-up as partisans of the current residents of Colorama and Pennsylvania Avenue woof at each other on talk shows and on the Internet. Present and former leaders of the intelligence community seem particularly riled and ill at ease with some of the current administration's tweets. We await the settling of dust. In the meantime, you're invited to read your favorite papers and your unfavored papers, too, for their take on that matter. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Joining me once again is Ben Yellen. He's a senior law and policy analyst at the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security. Uh, Ben, an interesting story came by. This is from Vice News, um, and it's about a court case where Amazon's Alexa is involved in a murder case, people trying to get information from Alexa. 
bring us up to date here. What's going on? We've lived to see the day where Alexa herself can be the subject of a, of a lawsuit. <laughs> uh, so what happened was there was an incident in Arkansas back in November 2015. There's this man named James Bates, who was a former Walmart employee. He had friends over at his house. Next morning, Bates himself called 911, reported that one of the guests was dead in the hot tub outside. Bates was accused of the crime himself, was accused of homicide. And one of the ways the government was trying to obtain evidence was trying to subpoena information from Amazon gleaned through their Alexa device. So as you know, the device is activated when somebody says, hey, Alexa. What I didn't know until I read this article is that it actually picks up some of the conversation that happens before the trigger, before the Hey Alexa, and after that trigger. Mm-hmm. And law enforcement in this case thinks that there might be some evidence of this crime, either in the conversation that occurred after the trigger or immediately before and immediately after. Amazon uh, is seeking to quash the subpoena. They, just like Apple in, in previous cases, and just like all of the technology companies, want to protect the privacy of their users. So they are uh, fighting the subpoena hard. They are saying that the allegation that this information would be somehow useful to the investigation isn't supported by compelling evidence. And they're also arguing that potentially there's a First Amendment violation. When people are using their Alexa devices, frequently, you know, they're asking them to shop for them. It's an Amazon device. So if I say, you know, I want to read a Noam Chomsky book or I want to read Das Kapital by Karl Marx, this is, you know, something that implicates freedom of speech and freedom of association. And to infringe on those rights, you'd have to have a compelling interest. And what Amazon is saying is law enforcement doesn't have a compelling interest because they're not even – they can't prove to any reasonable extent that any information they'd gain from this device would actually be useful in the investigation. But how is this more of a, of a fishing expedition than, say, just a, a warrant to search my house? You know, they, they're suspicious of something. They convince a judge that maybe there's something to this. And, you know, they go through, they search my home. Uh, how would searching Amazon's records be any different from that? Well, a couple of things. One are those freedom of association implications. Mm. You know, there is private information in the home. But what Amazon has said in its motion to quash the subpoena is that, Uh, There's a particular relationship between a user and this Alexa device, and part of that is personal information that's gleaned simply from some of the conversations. The other thing is the particularity requirement. So most times when you have a warrant to search a house, it's because you have probable cause that there's some evidence there that a crime has been committed. Here, there's no real confirmable evidence. The reason this seems like a fishing expedition, at least to me, is that they just want all of the audio they can obtain to see if there's something there that might implicate this this criminal defendant. And that's too generalized. We have this particularity requirement under the Fourth Amendment that you have to have probable cause that a piece of evidence is really going to be useful in, in solving a crime. Interesting stuff. We'll have to keep an eye on it as it develops. Ben Yellen, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security 
by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.